Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. This is UFC Catholicism, Ultimate Faithful Catholics. You could also call it Ultimate Fighting Catholics. I am the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of Our Lady, and I'm reporting for duty. Terry, what about you? Yes, Jess, I am reporting for duty. I'm Terry Barber, the Lebanese lover of Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Lebanese lover of Our Lady. This is a very special day, Jesse, All Souls Day, the 2nd of November, where we remember our loved ones. And you know what? Not only our loved ones, all the souls in purgatory. So this is a great day to go visit the cemetery. Matter of fact, all month long, we can get indulgences by going to the cemetery. But this is, uh, we're, we're going to be talking about some topics that I think are very close to me and to you, Jess. Cardinal Mueller gave a presentation along with Bishop Strickland two days ago in Rome. The title is Bishops Who Don't Preach the Faith Have Forgotten the Meaning of Their Existence. And it's a very powerful article teaching the uh, perennial teachings of the church on what the mission of the church is. Also, Bishop Strickland, the America's bishop, he, uh, he says at this conference, we must follow the example of the saints and the martyrs in defense of the faith. Boy, he kid it hard there. And then, Jess, I think this is a fascinating topic. What is the Catholic Church's long you know, process for canonization for saints? And this is going to be, I think, really an eye-opener for us to know what it takes to be a saint in the Catholic Church. And then we'll follow up with this, you know, thing about Jordan Peterson's wife becoming Catholic. And what's that? He supports it. And uh, I think there's some interesting things on how she became Catholic. It's, it's a, lot of, you know, a lot of ways that it was a convert to the Catholic faith, which doesn't surprise me because cradle Catholics sometimes are not as fervent as converts. So we'll get into that and much, much more. But just before we get into our topics and before we get to the gospel, I think Padre Pio can weigh in on purgatory on his top statement because we're going to be uh, remembering all our souls in purgatory. He was asked this question. He says, Matt, can, can we do purgatory on earth? Padre Pio was once he remarked by accepting by saying this. Here's what we do, Jess and Terry and all of everyone listening. By accepting everything from God's hands, by offering everything up to him with love and thanksgiving so as to enable us to pass from our deathbed to paradise. So the bottom line, Jess, every minute on earth is an opportunity to merit heaven. Jess, Padre Pio said it. You've been saying it. I've been saying that for years. Well, That's because right. it's true, Jesse. Every action is like a blank check. That's right. Uh, what about good to know file? Because I got one only on tattoos, but hit, hit me first, Joe. Just there, there's a few things uh, on the good to know file. Good. Tomorrow yeah. at Notre Dame, oh, you're gonna have at Notre Dame University. They're gonna have a, a a drag queen story hour, but the students get this. The students are planning a protest, a prayerful, good. peaceful protest tomorrow. Because the administrators refused to cancel the, the, the drag queen story. And so protesters, Catholic students, will pray the rosary starting at 7.30 p.m. tomorrow. And the women students in particular are, are protesting God bless that the show mocks women and is highly dis disrespectful to Our Lady and her institution. Uh, it's disgraceful that the young women are defending the truth and possibly putting themselves in harm's way while their spiritual fathers, the Holy Cross priests and administrators, refuse to protect them. And if you want to get more information on that, there's a website. It's called 
nodragnd.org. ND stands for Notre Dame. And Jesse, before you go on, there's the point that the president of the university said the reason he's going to allow it. Are you ready for this drum roll? Religious liberty. Religious liberty. Jesse, they say that all the time when we get offended. Who? No, no. Everybody can say anything they want. You see, this is how warped a lot of our theologians and a lot of our people in the church are, that they don't stand up for anything, so they fall for everything. Yep, so if you want more information, go to nodragnd.org, nodragnd.org. Also, yes. the synod and synodality is de- is defined as walking with others, yeah. and this notion, along with listening, they're key things of the synod on synodality. But these concepts are deeply human and are core aspects of motherhood. Exactly. In, f- in fact, the synod emphasizes maternal characteristics but hardly mentions motherhood. Of course not. Instead, the synod focuses on women at work. You know. But the church needs needs mothers more than it needs synodality. Yeah. That's what it needs. That's right. Also, the U.S. bishops protest Biden's workplace rules. The U.S. Catholic bishops told the Biden administration last week that its newly proposed guidance on sex-based harassment in the workplace is unconstitutional because it bans speech opposing abortion and expressing certain views on contraception, same-sex relationships, and gender ideology. Uh, this uh, bill from Biden would would uh, basically bring Catholic conversation to halt in the public. Also, Mike Johnson tackles the Department of Justice. <laughs> uh, the FBI's targeting of Catholics in an interview with the Daily Signal, Speaker Mike Johnson, evangelical Protestant, Republican from Louisiana, specifically addressed the Justice Department's targeting of pro-life and religious Americans, promising to hold those responsible accountable for those actions. Mike Johnson discussed revelations that the FBI was investigating traditional Catholics, pro-life Catholics, as potential domestic terrorists, and that the Department of Justice had targeted pro-life activists. Uh, Terry? I got a couple things. 10% of the parishes in New Orleans are closing July 1st of next year. Wow. Jesse, this is happening all over the country. I, I guess I guess we just need more dialogue to keep them open. Give more me a dialogue. break. Uh, see, this is what happens. Okay, number two, good to know file. Jesse, you've talked about tattoos uh, for years and the morality and what the Bible has to say. Well, in 2011, in our country, there were 63,000 people that had their tattoos removed. Now, 2019, 164,000. <clears> now, you can go to your local mall and it's big business because people are realizing this isn't a good thing to have these tattoos. So <clears throat> I just wanted to bring that up as a, a a movement that I think is a good thing to get rid of them. Yeah. Uh, let's do some soul food. <clears throat> Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. John chapter 6, 37 to 40, to, to 40 excuse me. Yep. Jesus said to the crowds, everything that the Father gives me will come to me. And I will not reject anyone who comes to me because I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. Notice Jesus Christ came from heaven. He's the son of God. He says, and this is the will of the one who sent me that I should not lose anything of what he gave me, but that I should raise it up on the last day. He's talking about the general judgment when he'll raise all the dead, both the damned and the elect. He will raise them up in their bodies. He says, for this is the will of my father, that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have eternal life. 
Well, how do you see the sun? I saw the sun this morning at eight o'clock at the Holy Mass <laughs> at the Eucharist when, when the when the priest elevated the sacred host. I saw Jesus. Yeah. So some people can say, "Wait a minute!" But I'm living in 2023. Jesus says uh, that I have to see Him in order to have eternal life. Yeah. Go to Mass and you can see Him. Yep. And He says, "And I shall raise Him up on the last day." A few other things that jump out at me from today's past uh, from today's mm-hmm. gospel reading. Uh, in verse 37, where it says, all that the Father gives me, that that alludes to the whole, that's a whole another topic in itself, to the mystery of predestination, which is basically, it's, it's alluded to in the catechism of the Catholic Church. We believe in limited predestination, not Islamic or, or Calvinist double predestination. And our Lord talks about in verse 38 that he comes to do not his will, mm. uh, not my own will, but the Father's will. The human will of Jesus and the divine will of the Father are in such perfect harmony that there's never any tension between the Lord's human will and the Father's divine will. Uh, Last thing that I'll say is, once again, uh, Jesus Christ says that uh, eternal life, what's, what's also the promise of eternal life? He says at the end, I shall raise him on the last day, which means that Jesus Christ just didn't die for your soul. He also died for your body. Your body will be raised up as well at the general judgment. Well, so let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now. Oh, seen ahead. This is interesting. He says about sins. Everyone who's conscious of sin knows that his sin deserves punishment. But if sin or guilt is denied, like it is in our culture, the need for punishment finds its outlet vicariously in a love of violence visited upon others. Hey, Jess, is there a connection between violence and sinful behavior? I think so. Wow. God bless Bishop Sheen. Hey, Jess, I wanted to, well, we'll mention when we come back, I want to talk to a little bit about how the fundraiser we're doing uh, regarding some items that we're auctioning off. So when we come back, we'll do that. Also, when we come back, we got Cardinal Mueller uh, talking about bishops who don't preach the faith have forgotten the meaning of their existence. Why is he having to bring this up right after the Senate? Well, I'll tell you why. Because lots of our bishops, unfortunately, need our prayers because they're being quiet. And if not even being quiet, they're just going along to get along, and they're not speaking out like people like Bishop Strickland or Cardinal Mueller. And this is something we're going to discuss when we come back here on the Terry and Jesse show. Remember this, everybody, and this is something that Jess and myself think constantly. Never, ever worry about who will be offended if you speak the truth. Worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't. Some of the bishops might want to kick that quote, Jess, because their responsibility is far greater than two knuckleheads on the radio. Oh, God. Right? No comparison, Terry. That's why many of the fathers of the church say that many bishops... Uh, line up uh, the, the roads to hell. Yep. 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 All right. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. Here's a little t- today's spotlight on the upcoming auction for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. It's our sorrowful mother, as she shared in her beloved son's passion and death. Beautiful image of that and the cross. 
We also want to contemplate on the holy face that St. Teresa of the Little Flower had great love for. That's a beautiful image you'll have taken from the sacred shroud of Turin. Including the frame image is a handmade glass beaded rosary of the Seven Sorrows Chaplet. Beautiful. Also included is this plush throw blanket with the memorari prayer. That's a beautiful blanket. And many other representations of Our Lady on it. You can view these items, as many as the others, on our charity called auctionstoday.com or just go to vmpr.org and um, you can get that link there. The bidding opens at 9 a.m. November 10th, but at least you can take a look at it. And uh, we appreciate all the support that you've been giving to us. And God bless you for doing the support of Virgin Most Powerful Radio. All right, Jess, Cardinal Mueller, man, one of my heroes. You know what's interesting about Cardinal Mueller, though, Jess? There was a time when he wasn't as orthodox as he is today, that he had bought into a lot of the garbage that we have going today. And whatever, I don't know if it's, I, I assume it's the prayers of the faithful praying for him, just like Bishop Strickland and others, they come to be red-pilled, and they come out and say, no, this isn't right. So let's talk about his statements that he gave at the uh, church's mission, and he was just at the LifeSite Rome's Life Forum just two days ago. Yep. Well, he's uh, following the footsteps of another cardinal who... Ratzinger, went, exactly. Yeah, Ratzinger, who went from liberalism to Same orthodoxy. Thing. Yeah. So Cardinal Mueller, he says that the p- bishops who don't preach the faith have forgotten the meaning mm-hmm. of their existence. Yep. Uh, Cardinal Mueller cautioned uh, the other day at the, at the Rome Life Forum put yep. out by John Henry Weston yep. that any attempts to modernize the Catholic Church, <laughs> uh, the Catholic Church's transmission of the gospel teaching brings only illusory results. Yep. He gave this speech at the Rome Life Forum founded by LifeSite News. Carl Mueller stressed that fidelity to the revelation of Christ is indispensable to bishops authentically carrying out the teaching office of the church. Amen. Uh, this uh, Rome Life Forum was last week. Uh, for, it's, it's, uh, well, it's, it's actually going to run from October 31st to November 1st, immediately following the Vatican Synod on Synodality, mm-hmm. which threatens to formalize heretical teachings. Yep. Cardinal Mueller pointed to the dogmatic constitution on divine revelation day verbum. Yes. And he explained that this teaching office is not above the word of God, but serves it teaching only what has been handed on. That's one of That's my the favorite. traditional positions. Yeah. That's one of the great statements yeah. of Vatican II. Yeah. St. Irenaeus of Lyons yep. clarified that the authentic manifestation of the apostolic succession mm-hmm. of the bishops is to be anchored to sacred scripture and apostolic tradition, said Cardinal Mueller. Thus, bishops who betray their divine mission in order to avoid being accused of proselytism <laughs> or of being rigorous or defending Christian morality have forgotten the meaning and reason of their existence. Thank you for saying that, because that's my position, Jesse, from day one. Continue. Yeah, here's my, let me just say something real quick about yeah. the synod, my, just my, my yeah. thoughts. Yes. What me. they aim to do yeah. at this synod, they're, they're preparing us to accept homosexuality oh, yeah. and women's ordination, but they're going to do it incrementally. Yeah, next year they're so going to do it. Yeah, so what they're going to do, yeah. they're, gonna, they're, they're, they're no longer going to appeal the sacred scripture. They're no longer going to appeal to sacred tradition. Throw that out. Yeah, they're going to appeal to sacred synods and the current magisterium. Mark my words. This is how they're going to p- pass doctrine. 
They're going to say, we need synods. We don't look to scripture or tradition. We look to synods to pass doctrine and the current magisterium. Uh, the word synod means council, in case you're wondering. This is Vatican III. Yeah. And they'll keep having these synods and move the church towards modernism by baby steps. This is called incrementalism. Yeah. And the left uses this effectively. They, the devil gets a toehold on people. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.27, on a person, on a family, politicians, and especially church leaders. Back to the article. And let's get into some scripture with them. What Cardinal Mueller does, he doesn't go to psychiatry or psychology. He's taking the word of God. Continue, please. Uh, Mueller noted that temptation to, uh, the temptation to adapt the gospel to the current trends of the world was warned against by St. Paul, who said, if I wanted to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. The gospel I preached did not come from men. I received it through the revelation of Christ, Galatians 1.10. I thought revelation came from dialogue. I'm joking. I'm sorry, Jesse. I'm trying to be From, from listening. From listening. From listening. Yeah. yeah. Continue. The cardinal underscored the fact that the early Christians were also reminded in an admonition that is that is just as applicable today that Jesus Christ Amen. is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led astray by various strange doctrines, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 and 9. In today's world, this means that the Pope and bishops must hold firm to the church's mission for the salvation of the world in Christ and must not attempt to adapt or earn the approval of the world by proving their right to exist through serving secular ideologies such doing. as eco-religion and yep. anti-rational world. Save the earth. Yes. Such capitulation to the world not only defies Christ, but, com- but comes back to bite those who attempt it. Colin Mueller, Mueller pointed out he recalled how in the 17th century, the philosopher Blaise Pascal had warned the Jesuits against moral laxity in one of his, in his letters to the provincials, since, he says, these smart guys wanted to reconcile Christianity with the frivolous goings-on on of the Bourbon court. But despite their willingness to secularize Christianity, they ended up being victims of their own strategy of adaptation. Bishops and theologians who have forgotten that in Christ alone we have the fullness of grace and truth or or who think they can develop the teachings of Christ according to their own liking should remember the words of St. Paul and, and uh, where he says, quote, if I wanted to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. The gospel I preached did not come from men. I received it through the revelation of Christ, said Cardinal Mueller, quoting the Bible. He compared the clergy's temptation today to relinquish the truth of Christ for worldly favors to that of Pontius Pilate, who hoped to be spared suffering, who hoped to be spared suffering himself by inflicting suffering upon Jesus Christ and overseeing his crucifixion and death. Cardinal Mueller gives us advice. He says the advice of the church to modernize her teaching of the gospel with the help of a relativistic philosophy brings only illusory results. One must not fall for the following suggestion. If you want to reach the people of today and be loved by all, then like like Pilate, leave aside the truth, then you will spare yourself persecution, suffering, cross, and death. And that's exactly what the Pope and the Roman Curia is doing, Terry. They want to be and, liked by the world. And I'll, I'll give you a, a fact. I just got this latest document by Pope Francis called for a shift in theology for the world today. See if this isn't just a, what, what Cardinal Mueller's talking about. Here's what, I'm quoting the Holy Father, Pope Francis. He's, he's talking about uh, we have to have a different approach to studying the Word of God. Well, no, studying God. He said the Pope contrasted this approach with theology that's limited to abstractly reproposing formulas and schisms 
from the past and repeated his long-standing criticism of desk-bound theology. Instead, he emphasized that the theological studies must be open to the world. That's just what Bishop uh, Bishop Cardinal has been talking about. That's not good. O- open to the world, not as a tactical attitude, but as a profound turning point in their method, which he said must be happening. So here's the point I'm making. The Holy Father needs our prayers because he's basically making this idea that we have to be more worldly in our view. And this is just what the Bible condemns. And Cardinal Mueller articulated what Jess just read. So prayers needed to be going to the Holy Father. And Jesse, my final thought, because Strickland gave his talk. When we come back, we'll talk about that. But Cardinal Mueller basically is quoting what I call a world biblical view of theology. This is what the church has had for 2,000 years. Nobody has the authority to change what divine revelation teaches. That's what Cardinal Mueller is pointing out. I think he's spot on. Again, the way they want to change the church is through synods. Yeah. The word synod Voting. Means, it's a popular vote. Yeah. The word synod means council. That's all it means. This is Vatican III. Make no bones about it. Mm-hmm. And what they're going to do is they want to just... Uh, in the next conclave, they're hoping to get another Francis 2.0. And they can continue with these synods, having them, have them every year and take on different topics until incrementally they chisel away, chisel away, chisel away at doctrine till in five years from now, uh, it'll be completely the inversion. Yeah, well, uh, well, provided we don't pray and get down on our knees and pray for our leaders, because I actually saw after reading that document, uh, and I, it was a good news story, when Father James Martin was upset that LGBT didn't get in the final document, uh, that's a good sign. Now, obviously, they're going to go back at it next October and try it again. But I think this, I think that uh, they didn't expect to have the resistance they had, even trying to stack the deck. So I think our prayers are being effective and we need to continue to pray because the disaster that's coming uh, next year when they meet again, they're going to continue to beat. You know what their approach is? Oh, we didn't get women uh, deacons or priests. We'll just do it until we get it. We'll keep going, banging on the... Uh, down the door. We're not going to give up. And this is their approach rather than a biblical worldview that says, <clears throat> no, man proposes, God disposes. This is what we have. And so that's the difference between what the church has taught for 2,000 years on a biblical worldview versus let's have a, a, a popular vote and say, we're going to believe this because most people believe that we should. This is just wrong. And I have to call it out because, again, I'm not too, I'm not worried about. As I said to you before, I'm not worried about who's going to be offended if I speak the truth or the gospel. I'm more worried about who will be misled, deceived if you don't. And this is what's going on. People are going to be deceived because they're going to have a worldly view rather than a God-centered view. I'm done. Yeah, that's That's right. That's it, Jess. It's me. It's, 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 It's black and white Catholicism. Yeah, it should be. Bishop Strickland, we'll, we'll start off, we'll Good. continue the next segment. Yeah. He says we must follow the example of the saints and martyrs there in defense of the faith. He's recalling St. John Fisher, who gave up his life against the heretical claims of Henry VIII yep. uh, to be the head of the Church of England. Yep. Bishop Strickland told Catholics gathered in the, in the Rome Forum Conference at the Rome Life, Rome Life Forum Same that one. they cannot play nicely when heresy <laughs> threatens the faith, that this would mock the blood of the martyrs which consecrated the city of Rome to Christ. Uh, Bishop Strickland began his address October 31st by reading a letter sent to him by a Catholic layman prior to the bishop's trip to the Eternal City for the, for the Roman Life Forum, a conference founded by LifeSite News. In the letter which Strickland received, 
he said he he said he thought was intended not only for him but also for those present bishop ad, the bishop admonished he says quote you cannot indeed uh, you, you cannot indeed you must not go to rome and play nice bishop strickland the queen of martyrs has called you and you cannot uh, parcel out parcel out truth in pieces the synod has gathered cowards in rome those who not only refuse to die for our Lord and his church, but de- indeed demand that his eternal truths be changed. And if you play nice, nicely with these, then you mock the martyrs. This is a letter to Bishop Strickland. Yeah. It's not the blood of the cowards that is the seed of the church. <laughs> it is the blood of the martyrs, the letter exactly. continued. And Rome has been literally consecrated by the blood of Christians. As Tertullian wrote, we multiply when you reap us, the blood of Christians is seed. We'll oh. continue with Bishop Strickland's letter on the on the next. Uh, Stay segment. with us, family. Yeah, we're here because you know why? We want to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the perennial teachings of the church, not just Carol Terry Barber's personal opinion. What does the church teach? Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess is reading a letter, part of what Bishop Strickland gave as a talk in Rome. And I just want to remind everybody, we call him America's Bishop. He does a show here at Virgin Most Powerful on Tuesdays after the Terry and Jesse Show. So please go to our website, vmpr.org. Listen to all the shows because he's hard-hitting. And there's a reason he was there, because John Henry Weston asked him to be there to give this talk. And Jesse, please continue because it's hard hitting like Cardinal Mueller. They're hitting hard here. Yeah, Terry, I'll, I'll tell you just to show you how bad the Synod documents mm-hmm. are. Yeah. And one of the closing documents, tell me. they actually are uh, the Synod fathers are praying for the conversion of demons. Yeah. Hey, Jesse, is that. Can, this Did is you a, hear that? Mic- yeah, I, I heard that. Microphone but, on? Yeah. Is that true? But here's what I was thinking. I read. Oh, yeah. It's in the documents. I, I know, but I read that. Pope Francis, in one of his books that he wrote, thought that at the end of time, uh, the souls in hell just disappear, and that there's no eternal, you know, judgment, which is not part of deposit of faith. But this mentality that a demon who's already been judged for all eternity going to hell—he's a demon. Uh, where in the world would you come up with a theology? That says they can still be redeemed. I mean, it's like almost second chance or something. No, that's it, it, o- that's the heresy of origin. There you go. Yeah, you go. it's already condemned as a heresy, uh, and and then it was once again brought up uh, years later by uh, Rudolf Boltmann. Boltmann, the German uh, guy. Yeah, yes. the German, the German Lutheran. I remember him. And, and then who picked it up after Boltmann? Catholic, a Jesuit of course. priest, father, uh, father. Uh, Urs von Balthasar. Yes, the, the man who never wore a Roman collar. Right, and so then, so this Jesuit picked it up in the sixties from Boltmann, and uh, and now you have, <laughs> uh, you know, you have other prelates that are also talking about this universalism, universal salvation. Yeah. But I'll tell you who who gave it the death knell is Doctor Ralph Martin when he wrote his PhD thesis several years ago. Mm-hmm. He got Good his man. PhD thesis a couple of years ago. He wrote a book exactly. His thesis is against universal salvation. Yes. And so he wrote his thesis, which turned into a book. And uh, he's, you know, and uh, and he basically he also did it 
to offer correction to Bishop Barron. He did it nicely, I might add. Yeah, he did it nicely. Yeah, very with a lot of class. He gave him a copy of the yeah. book, yeah. and it's a, it's basically, he destroys the notion, Origen, Boltmann, von Balthasar, anybody who holds to this universal salvation. The definitive work on planet Earth was written by Dr. Ralph Martin. Yeah, good man. He pulled he pulled in all the the the, the yeah. scripture, the councils, and and the saints in one book. And he destroys that notion. So let's go back to the article. Okay. Bishop Strickland says, It's easy to assert that no real damage has been done to the church by the synod, but it has done untold damage in attempting to cheapen what Christ has, was, has said was worth his life and for which he indeed shed his precious blood. Play nicely with those who attack truth makes no man a disciple. Well said. Strickland himself went on to say that he would not be silent in the face of blatant attacks on the faith, but would continue to speak out in defense of the Catholic teaching. He says the prevailing imprudence in our church today is not speaking out inappropriately. I'd rather do that than not speak out when it's necessary, absolutely necessary. He declared to which those listening responded with loud applause. That's because, Jesse, he's a man and he's a bishop who understands his role. People, it's, it's beautiful to hear a bishop speak like this. Continue. Yeah. Yeah, the the traditional title of the Catholic Church is is, is called Ecclesia Docens, which means the teaching church in Latin, not a listening church. This is something very new. Okay, the the tradi- you could go back hundreds and hundreds of years. The saints have always called the Catholic Church Ecclesia Docens, yeah. teaching church. Amen. This whole listening church. This is something new. Back to the article. Speaking of the beauty of the glorious Latin Mass which Bishop, the Bishop uh, Strickland noted, has come under attack by the Vatican. Strickland said he was moved to tears the first time yep. he celebrated the yep. traditional Latin Mass. Yep. Regarding the TLM, Strickland lamented the way in which it has come under attack from Rome. He says one of the most frightening things coming out of the Vatican... Frustrating things. Go ahead. And, uh, oh, yeah, frustrating things coming out. And it's supported, at least by Pope Francis, is the attack on the sacred, exactly. Bishop Strickland said admonishing that we must never allow the Mass to become routine. Highlighting the example of the many saints who courageously defended the faith to the point of suffering persecution and the shedding of blood, including St. Peter Damien, who had to face the terrible LGBTQYZS of his time, Strickland said, (laughs) we were born for times such as this. And recall the example of St. John Fisher, who lost his head for saying to the king, quote, no, I'm not going to declare you the head of the church. Bishops today need to say, no, we're not going to pretend truth can change. Exactly. Strickland is known for his outspoken defense of the perennial teachings of the faith, recently issuing several pastoral letters on important teachings of the more life, the sacraments, and salvation through the church. I'll tell you, when the, when the history books are closed yeah. on, this, on this chapter of history, yeah. Bishop Strickland Schneider, Vigano, Mueller, and a few others will be known as one of the few good men among the bishops of the 21st century. And as King Leonidas said in the movie 300, the king of Sparta, he said, quote, whatever a man does in this life will echo for eternity. Well said. And if you want to get those letters that Bishop Strickland wrote, seven of them, go to bishopstrickland.com. They're all there. One of the letters is on that universal salvation that Jesse was just talking about. And he, put, he exposes that for as an error. You know, Jesse, Bishop uh, Strickland, Cardinal Mueller, uh, we need true bishops who are willing to take a stand on things. Can you imagine uh, the consequences for them to say this when we know that the present Holy See 
would not be happy with what they're saying because it's undermining what they're talking about with synodality. And let's just be honest. They two don't mix. And I think that for them to say that, that shows me that they're willing to lay their life down for the flock, spiritually speaking. Yep. Synodality, all that means is we're going to change the Catholic Church little by little through these synods. uh, And we're going to disregard sacred scripture. We're going to disregard sacred tradition. We're going to continue picking St. Gallen Mafia popes. And we'll continue... Uh, to push the church incrementally to yeah. the left. Jesse, this is going to take a little time. I want to shift gears if we can. Yeah. To what? How does the Catholic Church officially recognize saints? What's the process? And I like to just start off with, you know, traditionally, there's a five years time from the death of that person. Uh, it, it has to pass from that death before the canonization process can begin. Now, the Pope can excuse this waiting period, which he's done for like St. Mother Teresa and St. Pope John Paul too, but rarely does that happen where they don't wait the five years. And there's a reason for that too, to, to set, let things settle down, emotions and all that. Let's get to the facts. What's the, what about being a servant of God? Uh, what's, 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 let's continue on. Just Well, here's the step. Servant of God, number yeah. one. Next step, venerable, number yeah. three. Yeah. How blessed, we, number four, saint. So how someone declared a servant of God? Yeah. The process begins with when a petitioner asks a diocesan bishop to begin the investigation into the life of the particular person, mm-hmm. which could ultimately lead to their canonization. The bishop may also begin their own cause. Once the cause opens, the individual is called a servant of God. Uh, a proper examination is followed at a diocesan or, or or eparchial level. That's the Eastern Catholics. The church then forms a tribunal, calls on witnesses, looks at documents written by the candidate. Uh, and so is how is someone declared a servant of God? Like, the process begins when a petitioner asks a diocesan bishop to begin the investigation into the life of a particular person, which could ultimately lead to their canonization. The bishop may also begin their own cause, once the cause opens, the individual is called a servant of God. A proper examination is followed at a diocesan. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, how was someone named venerable? venerable. That's, and that's what Bishop Sheen is. Let's yeah, be honest. That's the second. That's the yeah. second step. Exactly. Should, yeah. Now that the, documentation is that it then sent to the Congregation for the Cause of Saints, the Department of the Roman Curia, responsible for making recommendations to the Pope on the beatification and canonization. At this point, this is interesting, nine theologians vote on the candidate's cause. A favorable judgment passed the cause onto the Pope, who gives the final approval of the individual to be declared venerable or, if martyred, blessed. Once the Pope recognizes the candidate's heroic virtue, the person is named venerable. This means the Pope recognized the deceased person as having lived a virtuous life, and offered their life for the faith. What's next, Jess? And how was someone uh, how was someone declared blessed? That's what we're on now, right? Yep, yeah, because it's yeah. repeating itself. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, to be recognized as blessed, one miracle through the intercession of the candidate is required. However, a miracle is not required for a martyr's beatification, mm-hmm. just their canonization. Right. According to EWTN, the alleged miracle is studied by scientific and theological commissions in the diocese in which it is alleged to have occurred. The person is declared blessed once the Holy Father approves a decree of a miracle. This approval affirms the power of the candidate's intercession and their union with God after death. 
somebody that's a, a common right now is a blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. Right, right. Yeah. Now let's take the next step. How is someone declared blessed? Go ahead, Jess. Next is beatification. Yeah. According to the USCCB, yeah. beatification, the second step in the process of proclaiming a person a saint, occurs after a diocese or eparchy and the Congregation for the Causes of Saints has conducted a, a rigorous examination into the person's life and writings to determine whether he or she demonstrates a heroic level of virtue, offered their life, or suffered martyrdom. To be recognized as, ble as blessed, one miracle through the intercession of the candidate is required. However, a miracle is not required for a martyr's beatification, just their canonization. A miracle is considered something that occurs by God's grace through the candidate's intercession, which is inexplicable by science. The required miracle must be proven through canonical and scientific investigation. And give an example, like Fulton Sheen's miracle was about a little baby that should have died, and the baby survived the challenges in birthing the baby. And uh, that investigation came and said, yeah, he, it was a miracle. It was they, they prayed to Bishop Sheen, and they received the grace for that. And so this is why Bishop Sheen, in his case, we'll, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll get on to how saints are canonized when we come back. But Bishop Sheen is ready to be canonized. The only challenge right now is some of the bureaucrats, in my opinion, in Rome, who's trying to say that, hey, we got to wait, we got to wait because of some investigation. But they've all done it all. There's, this is being used against Bishop Sheen, in my opinion. Stay with us. We're going to talk about how are saints canonized. It's fascinating. Stay with us. You're listening to The Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back indeed. Jess, you're coming through now the process of how saints are canonized. Let's get into that part, please. Yeah, so let's let's re remind everybody that yeah. there are four processes. Mm -hmm. Summarizing. It, it usually takes about five years after the candidate's death before they start. You have number one, servant of God. Number two, venerable. Number three, blessed. And number four, saint. Yep. So let's get into how saints are canonized. The alleged miracle is studied by scientific and theological commissions in the diocese in which it is the miracles alleged to have occurred. The person is declared blessed once the Holy Father approves the decree of a miracle. This approval affirms the power of the candidate's intercession and their union with God after death. So this is the way saints are canonized. To become a canonized saint, a second miracle is required. Yep. This process is the same as it was for the miracle leading to their beatification. Once a second miracle is approved, the rite of canonization by the Pope can occur. Through this, the person is elevated to the universal veneration in the church. By canonization, the Pope does not make the person a saint. Rather, he declares that the person is with God and is an example of following Christ worthy of imitation by the faithful. So again, <clears throat> just to repeat, a second miracle is required. Uh, the, the process is the same as it is for it was for the miracle leading to their, be their beatification in Italy in, initially, excuse me. And uh, once the second miracle is approved, the rite of canonization by the Pope can occur. And through this process, the person is elevated to the universal veneration in the church. And uh, again, 
it's, it's, it's worthy of repeating. By canonization, the Pope does not make the person a saint. Rather, he's simply declaring that the person is with God and is an example of following Christ worthy of imitation by the faithful. In conclusion, the Catechism says in paragraph 962, it says, in, in conclusion, we are all called to sainthood yep. and encouraged to get to know these powerful intercessors. We also, as Catholics, let's not forget that we believe in the communion of all the faithful of Christ, those who are pilgrims on earth, the dead who are being purified, and the blessed in heaven, all together forming one church. And we believe that in this communion, the merciful love of God and his saints is always attentive to our prayers. Well said, universal call to holiness. That was the theme of the Second Vatican Council, but that spirit of Vatican II never talks about that, Jesse, unfortunately. Hey, Jesse, this is the last state, last topic. Jordan Peterson says he fully supports his wife's conversion to Catholicism. I know the story. I, I, I think it's beautiful that an Opus Dei convert to the Catholic faith actually witnessed to her in the hospital because she had a very serious tumor. And they, uh, she, would, she would be there every day praying the rosary as a non-Catholic. And the convert explained redemptive suffering and also got her to do a novena to Esclavara, the founder of the Opus Dei Jose Maria. Jose Maria. And they did this novena and asked if it, he would intercede to remove this tumor. And of course, that happened. And she was so moved by that. And she was moved by the person's faith that she was ministered, that was being ministered to her, the, the joy that that person had for the faith. And this is what people want. This is why I say, Jesse, when it comes to conversions, a lot of times you just, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That woman was going every day to visit her in the hospital, to pray with her. That, to me, says it all. Yeah, and this is, this is the power of the Catholic faith when it's lived. Yes! Uh, again, she ran across a well-formed Catholic. Exactly. Who, who knows her faith. Yep. And this well-formed Catholic shared the fullness of truth with her. The power of the rosary while she's in the hospital. Apparently, this uh, this Catholic friend of hers would pray the rosary every That's morning right. with her. That's right. And as a result of that, this started an interior process of conversion. Uh, her name is Tammy Peterson. George Tell her what she said about when she would wake up at night and pray the Our Father. When yes. Yeah, this is about power. Yeah, Tammy Peterson is the wife of the famous Canadian psychologist yeah. and author Jordan Peterson. And she announced that she's, gonna, she's about to enter into RCIA. She said that she suffered health issues in 2015 with a cancer yeah. scare, yeah. painful arthritis. Her husband, Jordan, gained massive popularity as a media commentator. She struggled with daily tasks such as walking up and down the stairs. Her first biopsy showed renal cell carcinoma, while her second biopsy revealed much more devastating news. Uh, he, the doctor, said, I'm sorry, but we did, we did another biopsy, and what you have is much more aggressive than we thought. And yeah. you have what we think is 10 months to live. Wow. And my husband, Jordan, and I were quite shocked. After two surgeries, which successfully removed the tumors, Peterson once again found herself in the hospital. She was unable to eat, lost over 80 pounds. Wow. Her hair began to fall out. The lymphatic leakage seemed incurable. Mm. However, she told Nonato that her friend Queenie Yu, a Catholic convert, visited when she heard the news of, of Peterson's illness. Yu brought Peterson a rosary blessed by the Holy Father, 
a pamphlet on how to pray the rosary and yep. an image of Our Lady and the baby Jesus. Jordan and Tammy were together at the hospital and they both thought that the image was beautiful. And when they saw the rosary, she said, oh, it's the rosary. I said, oh, you know what it is? She said, yes, but I don't know how to use it. <laughs> P- Peterson, Tammy Peterson told Nonato that over the next five weeks while she was in the hospital, she prayed the rosary together every morning and shared their thoughts about faith and family. She said, through my illness, I found God and what, and what could possibly be better than knowing your own creator? Exactly. Peterson told Nonato she, she prayed through her physical pain. I'd wake up at night. I'd pray the Lord's Prayer until Beautiful. I went back to sleep. Beautiful. I didn't allow myself to worry. She said, I pretty much prayed all night unless I was sleeping. And <laughs> in in, uh, you could also see that it, there's a video where Tammy discusses the rosary with, with a Catholic guest, Jonathan Pajou, and she even teaches in this video, uh, she teaches people how to pray it. Before she left the hospital, uh, Nonato said that Peterson's friend, Father Eric Nikolai, gave her a blessing and a novena to St. Jose Maria de Escriva, the founder of Opus Dei. To Peterson's surprise, the day she was scheduled for another surgery, and on day five of the novena to St. Jose Maria de Escriva, her doctors shared exciting news. Her medical issue had resolved itself. Nonato said she (laughs) no longer needed surgery. Tammy's husband, Jordan, commends his wife, in her pursuit of truth, stating he is happy about her decision to enter the church because she's trying to aim up. This is an extension of what's happened to her in recent years of that vow she took when she first decided we are going to get married, Peterson told the National Catholic Register, or the Catholic Register. It's a crucial thing to commit to the truth, and through her trials and battles, Tammy Peterson has gained a powerful testimony, testimony to her Lord to her faith in the Lord, she plans to fully enter the Catholic Church on Easter upon completion of RCIA, and we cannot wait to welcome her home. And I want to just say, Jesse, this is in contrast to the synodal process. Okay, and what I mean by that, if we really followed the Senate suggestions on that situation, we would have just dialogued with her, never shared the rosary, never shared redemptive oh, yeah. suffering, never shared the, the, the novena. We, we just need to talk. You see, that's the fruit of real Catholicism, where she shared the good news of Jesus Christ through the rosary. Because if you think about it, this rosary that I have in my hand, just who's it leading to? Jesus Christ. See, this is the approach we need, not a dialogue church or a listening church. We need a church to evangelize. And I think this is a good example of that happening, Jess. You're laughing at me. I know. (laughs) Give me a break, Jess. This works. Yep. Uh, well, Jordan Peterson, yeah. he's been asked about his wife's conversion. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he says he fully supports her. Yeah. He says Tammy's discovery of the beauty and truth of Catholicism came during her battle with cancer and, this, and debilitating diseases. He says uh, Tammy's been developing a deeper relationship with her Christian heritage for some time. And this was a logical, appropriate, inspired next step and one that I fully support as her husband. Um. Jordan Peterson's Tammy revealed that prayer would would alleviate some of the pain that she suffered during this time. Uh, And uh, he also says that when the day, when the day came for Tammy's surgery, doctors discovered that the medical issue had resolved itself on its own. And obviously they canceled the surgery. Tammy said that her miraculous recovery, which took place on the fifth day of her novena is a result of God's intervention in addition to a radical change in her diet that involved cutting out everything but meat and water. According to Jordan Peterson, Tammy's decision came after years of searching for the truth, something that, sh- that he revealed is central to their marriage. 
Peterson explained that he decided to make the pursuit for truth a priority in his life and marriage because of the knowledge that no one gets away with anything. <laughs> Before their marriage, Peterson asked his wife Beautiful. if she would be dedicated to telling the truth. He described her conversion as an extension of the commitment that they made upon getting married. Wow. Peterson also stated that his belief that a married couple can find two different truths and remain unified by listening, negotiating, sparring, and playing by discussing by discussing a joint vision, by caring for each other with love, by having children and grandchildren. While his wife has announced her entrance into the Catholic Church, Peterson has yet to publicly affiliate himself with one specific religion, but remains dedicated to searching for the truth. Yeah, he, he'll come in shortly, Terry. I think I'll so. Tell- we keep praying. We need to really storm heaven for his conversion. Because I'll I believe- tell you why he's going to come well, in. Yeah, tell me. He that. was asked about three years ago. He was asked in an interview. Right, I remember. Yeah, right after the COVID-19 yeah. pandemic, yeah. they asked him, uh, what's, the, what's the most rational, oh, yeah. sane yeah. thing that any American can do? Yeah. He said, to become a Catholic. Yep, I remember. Then he, that, then he broke out. He, he started crying. Yeah. Tears started coming out of his eyes. He goes, the same, the most sane thing, the most rational thing for any American to do is yep. to become a Catholic. He said that like three or four years I ago. I remember that. And, and Jesse, just in contrast, I, I just want to show the contrast of, a, of what, these, what these folks did for Jordan Peterson's wife by sharing the gospel. The Hong Kong bishop who was at the Senate on Synodality, remember he said that evangelization shouldn't have this agenda of converting people to Catholicism. Evangelization is really helping people to understand the love of God. Uh, you know, that's that's what they are really learning. And say, I just say that's the contrast of what the church has always done: shared the gospel. The gospel is set on turning your life over to Jesus Christ. No other gospel we want. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesse, what state should we be living? I hear the music. Well, last time I checked, we need to be living in a state of sanctifying grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. We're like a lighthouse amidst the gathering storm. Let's pray America great again. And let's continue putting the spotlight of truth upon this culture of death and speak truth to power and live without fear. You got it, man. And this is All Souls Day. So if you can get to a a cemetery or get to a mass, pray for the poor souls, that'd be a good idea. Remember Our Lady of Fatima, she said souls are going to hell because no one is there praying for them. Think about it. In God, there's no time. Our prayers could have helped someone die 500 years ago, Jesse, to get out of purgatory. The ones we're praying right now. Yep. That's Catholic theology, man. Smoke that. Wow. This is so exciting to be a Catholic because our prayers can have effect for souls for all eternity. Sign me up. Thanks again for joining us here. Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Powerful Radio. <laughs>